Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is session 18, or episode 18, rather, of the Global Meditation Podcast. And today we're going to be continuing to study the law of one material, as I have a great affinity for it. Look at this as sort of a, uh, a podcast version of a book study club of sorts. And we're going to go over session 15 and 16, taken from the book, The Raw Contact, Teaching the Law of One, Volume 1. You can find this book in many formats and many other Law of One material at llresearch.org. And as before, I'm just going to go over my highlights from my reading of these two Law of One uh, sessions, certainly not the entirety of the material. And uh, these two sessions, particularly uh, session 15, in fact, session 15 is is the one where I really thought that it had a lot of wonderful Law of One focused material. Uh, so this is a definitely a session where you want to go ahead and dive in yourself and do a deep reading of it. The session took place January 30th, 1981. And, oh, before I get into the session, I did want to make a note that um, I've started with my 90-day global meditation experiment. And by the time you're listening to this, I will have a recorded meditation published at the uh, Global Meditation Network website. That's Global meditationnetwork.com and also the Facebook group. And this will be a, a 10 to 15 minute meditation that you can use as sort of a template if you choose to join me at the time that I'll be meditating, which is 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or at another time uh, every day. I'm doing this every day. Uh, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If I happen to not be able to, I will, you know, make it up sometime during the day and uh, tune in. And what it is for me is a, a daily spiritual practice focused on making myself available to be a channel of the uh, one infinite creator, a channel of divine energies or love and light, however you want to say that. And... The intention is for it to be a co-creative kind of meditation. Specifically, what I mean by that is a, a co-creation with spirit. However, as you join me in the meditation and have experiences that you want to share, that's also another way to look at it being a co-creative process. Now, I've, I have meditated with this meditation for the past week and have had some insights is sort of how I think the best way to get going with it is. And I think that right now, what I'd like the meditation to be about is really uh, opening ourselves to experience divine or unconditional love and being, being with the earth as we seek to open our, our hearts to this love and to be, um, channels and vessels for this love. The other thing I got uh, over the past week doing the meditation is that we are not meditating alone. When we open ourselves to do a practice like this, it's my belief and my experience that we are joined by other uh, beings that wish to assist us. And when that happens, it's a beautiful thing. Um, we can't do this ourselves. This is all about opening ourselves up to be uh, in service to the creator, opening up to be a, a vessel, a channel of the divine. And when we do this, there's higher intelligences that support us in this process uh, from the level we're at, and they support us from the level that they're at. So uh, look for that meditation published on the Global Meditation website. Uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast, which should be uh, September the 20th, 2021, which is a Monday. 
So session 15 of the Law of One Material took place January 30th, 1981, which I believe was one day after session 14, which we, one of the sessions we went over last time. And what I'm going to do is look at the things that I have highlighted for this session. And the first thing I have highlighted is a callback from a previous session we went over last week where um, Ra said that our planet is inflicted by a disorder wherein we age much more rapidly than is ideal for our species. And uh, because of this, we are in a perpetual uh, spiritual childhood. At one point, they, they say that. And Don wants more info on that. Don asks, why does rapid aging occur on this planet? And Ra um, gives a, a very interesting answer. So I'm going to read the answer in, in its entirety. Ra says, rapid aging occurs upon this third density planet due to an ongoing imbalance of receptor web complex and the etheric portion of the energy field of this planet. I'll repeat that, an ongoing imbalance of receptor web complex and the etheric portion of the energy field of this planet. So there's something off with how the, the uh, how energy is received in the Earth's etheric receptors. Ra goes on to say, the thought form distortions of your peoples have caused this distortion. They say the thought form distortions of your peoples have caused the energy streamings to enter the planetary magnetic atmosphere, if you would so term this web of energy patterns, in such a way that the proper streamings are not correctly imbued with the balanced vibratory love light from the, shall we say, cosmic level of this octave of existence. So it sounds like what Ra is saying here is that there is this energetic field of the Earth. They call it a... Um, Mag, the planetary magnetic atmosphere or a web of energy patterns. And there's this energy that comes into the planet, but because we have dysfunctional thought form patterns, dysfunctional thoughts, um, which are not connected to, to the infinite creator, um, the, the, this energy that comes in is not imbued with love light in a way that supports our body, I guess, right? So because there's the energy is not imbued with vibratory love light from the cosmic level of existence, our bodies age more quickly. And you can imagine this is a sort of a catch-22 because if our bodies age more quickly – we don't, we're not around long enough to really learn the deeper lessons of the law of one and while we're here. So we, we exit the planet early, we reincarnate again. And um, because nobody's really learning, it perhaps uh, causes the energy streaming in to be even more distorted or not balanced with love and light. And that causes an even more decreased lifespan to some degree, right? So um, Ra then says that, um, so you're, you, one of the reasons why you came here was to help remedy this, basically, right? So that we could um, more fully learn the law of one, or, or more precisely, more, more completely as a people uh, polarize to service to other and Ra says that that was correct. Actually, Ra said, you assume correctly to a great degree. So apparently that was a big reason why they were here. Why they were here. And, you know, Ra talked about that during the last uh, session or two. They talked about it. the pyramids were a way that they were trying to accomplish this. Uh, there was a series of balancing pyramids which were designed to correct this um, improper streaming of energy into the Earth's magnetic atmosphere, and um, that maybe that worked for a time, right? But now apparently the pyramids are 
no longer functioning correctly. So Ra mentions that you, you might notice that if people spend most of their time uh, vibrating or living uh, in alignment with the concept of service, which is in alignment with the concept of the, the law of one. In other words, they're putting the law of one in the practice that they may likely have a more youthful appearance. And so Don wants to know, well, so all right, so people that are practicing the law of one through service are, they live longer, they have a more youthful appearance. Don wants to know what is the greatest service that we can give them. And Ra really takes kind of a global sort of a perspective or a, you know, like a, a macro perspective. Ra says that the, um, there is but one service. The law is one. The offering of self to the creator is the greatest service, the unity, the fountainhead. The entity, entity who seeks the one creator is with infinite intelligence. From the seeking, from this offering, a great multiplicity of opportunities will evolve depending upon the mind-body-spirit complexes distortions with regard to the various illusory aspects or energy centers of the various complexes of your illusion. So they're, they're kind of, well, then they say, thus some become healers, some workers, some teachers, and so forth. So uh, depending on how you're innately wired, um, as you offer yourself to the creator, and seek the the uh, infinite intelligence to seek the one creator, um, you will be inspired to perform your service in whatever way that you're incarnated here to, to do so, depending on your natural proclivities. And uh, there's an interesting question Don wants to know. Well, if someone is so completely balanced with the law of one, would they stop aging? It seems like kind of a logical conclusion, right? Or, or would they, you know, how, how slow would their aging be? And Don or Ross says that a perfectly balanced entity would become tired rather than visibly aged is what they say. Um, so, if you do become perfectly balanced and learn all the lessons that you're here to learn, you have a different type of spiritual tiredness and you then depart the planet. Next, I have in my highlights here, Don asking about uh, what it means to balance. Bra's talking about uh becoming a balanced individual. And Don wants a little bit of understanding about that, um, about what that means. And basically what Ra says is that the balance is in your, your energy centers, um, that you are just like the earth, you have a, uh, an energetic um, electromagnetic web of points is how they, they put it. And, these points can become imbalanced. And what a uh, Ross says, in a balanced individual, each energy center is balanced and functioning brightly and fully. So it sounds like they're talking about the, the chakras, right? Uh, the blockages in your planetary sphere cause some distortion of intelligent energy. So again, there's those the, the blockage or distortion in the, the Earth's energy field causes distortion of the in-streaming intelligent energy. And then Ross says the blockages of the mind-body-spirit complex further distort or unbalance this energy. So um, they also say there is one energy. It may be understood as love-light or light-love or intelligent energy. So if we're wanting to use a, uh, a word for this in-streaming energy, we could call it love-light, light-love, or intelligent energy. I kind of like that intelligent energy. Um, so looking further further in my notes here, Don drills down even deeper. Don's asking some great questions this session, as he usually does. 
And uh, he wants to know, all right, well, we understand what balancing is now. He wants to know how a person goes about balancing themselves. And Ra says, I am Ra. The steps are only one. That is an understanding of the energy centers which make up the mind-body-spirit complex. So basically, again, Ra points to your energy centers and balancing those. And then Ra really goes into a, a really brief description of the of each energy center. Ra never says the word chakra. In fact, they call the first energy center uh, Malkuth uh, or the Red Ray Complex. I believe Malkuth is a perhaps a Hebrew word. I think I've seen that um, related to the Tree of Life or really, actually, yeah, I believe it's, let me take a look here. I actually have the Tree of Life on my wall. Yeah, Malkuth is uh, the bottom sphere of the Tree of Life. So I, I always find it interesting. So I'm wondering here, Ra often has some of these Western mystery concepts, or in this case, they're using a, a Hebrew Hebrew word word for a for the uh, the root chakra is is Ra using this language because Don or Carla or Jim have some um, affinity toward it, or are they using this word because they had a hand in initially giving some of these concepts to to humans? And they're kind of dropping little uh, hints or breadcrumbs that we might want to might want to follow. I actually like to do a little bit more. Uh, if I ever had Jim or anyone from the LL Research on, that's one of the questions I would like to ask them: is a little bit about some of this language that the Ra uses and their understanding of, like for instance, why. As Ra using the word Malkuth specifically. So Ra goes through um, each of the the seven energy centers, which again I have always referred to them as chakras, but Ra refers to them as uh, the red ray complex, the orange ray complex, the yellow ray complex, and so forth. And he go they go over some of the sort of the the main focus of the the energy center and how it might become blocked and they they conclude the the uh the first three by saying that those with blockages in these first three energy centers or nexi will have continuing difficulties in the ability to further further their seeking of the law of one so if you have major imbalances in the first three energy centers it's going to sort of keep you tied down to the earth. It's going to keep you tied from progressing further. And then Ra says the center of heart or green, green ray is the center from which third density beings may springboard, shall we say, towards infinite intelligence. So that's kind of the, uh, the real launching pad. Once you kind of work through your the first three energy centers, you can then springboard into your uh your walking towards infinite intelligence and then they talk about the blue ray which is you know the throat chakra the uh pineal indigo ray center which is your six eye chakra and then the uh the crown chakra which is the sum total of the uh of an entity's vibratory complex of mind, body, and spirit. I have a note or a highlight here regarding the indigo ray. Ra says, the indigo ray balancing is quite central to the type of work which revolves around the spirit complex, which has its influx then into the transformation or transmutation of third density to fourth density. They're talking about the spirit complex. It being the energy center receiving the least distortion, least distorted outpourings of the love light from intelligent energy and also having the potential for the key to the gateway of intelligent infinity. So basically they're saying that regard this work of the spirit complex, which is a 
kind of like this, our spirit body, another aspect of our mind and body are, well, the, what do they, don't, they call it the, uh, the mind body spirit complex. So the work of the spirit complex has a lot to do with the indigo ray or sixth chakra and is specifically related to uh, eventually becoming the key to the gateway of intelligent infinity, which we've talked about before a lot on this podcast, that, that door, the door of everything as, uh, as discussed in the, uh, the Ruby Nelson book. And next, um, Don wants to know, well, what about exercises to balance these energy centers? And Ross says, well, we've given you some exercises already. Um, and those exercises we've talked about on the podcast, those were um, the exercises related to uh, working with the mind and the body and then the spirit. And all of them had to do with finding and accepting polarities within yourself and then outside yourself. And there was also some other exercises that, that Ra gave um, a little bit later on. I think those are the exercises in finding the heart of self where they recommended that you find the love in every moment or to see the creator and another person or see the creator in the creation around you or... Um, look in the mirror and see the creator. Those are some other exercises they give, they gave. Um, but Ross says in response to Don's question about exercises for balancing, they say it is important to allow each seeker to enlighten itself rather than for any messenger to attempt in language to teach, learn for the entity, thus being learn teacher and uh, teach learner actually reverse that, but, um, so what they're saying is that um, they can't tell us exactly what to do in every situation. We have to sort of walk down the path and, and find out certain things for ourselves. So um, they go on to say that there are other items of information allowable, but we hadn't. But Don hasn't sort of reached those levels yet in his questioning. So they they haven't come up yet, and I wonder what uh, those might be. Maybe it's the discussion of the tarot, which happens later on in the Law of a Material. But basically, what Ra is talking about is we'll give you some basics, basic exercises or basic information, but then you have to take this information and run with it, and thus unlock further items of interest as you apply them in your life. We can't we can't give you every tiny bit of information because you the it's the application that unlocks uh, further information is how I what I understand to be what they're saying and uh, oh Don's asking about now the heart of self um, Don says yesterday you stated the harvest is now and that there is not at this time any reason to include efforts upon these distortions towards longevity, but rather to encourage the distortions towards the heart of the self. And Don wants to know, how do you, um, can you give us some more ideas about how to find or seek the heart of the self? And Ross says, well, we've already talked a little bit about that. And those were those exercises that I, that I mentioned a little bit uh, a few minutes ago. And uh, Ross says, however, we can only say the material for your understanding is the self, the mind-body-spirit complex. So again, they're pointing you back to understanding your, your energy centers, looking to see which ones are blocked and working through those blocks, and then doing the work of the uh, work of balancing the the mind, body, and spirit complexes, possibly using the exercises they've given as a starting point. And uh, that the, these exercises will help us to know the heart of the self. 
And I have a, a paragraph highlighted here. I'll read it. The understanding, and this is raw, the understanding, experiencing, accepting, and merging of self with self and with other self, and finally with the creator, is the path to the heart of the self, right? So those are those exercises we talked about of working with the mind, with the body, mind, and spirit complex, finding and accepting uh, areas of polarity within ourselves and then without ourselves. And then Ross says, in each infinitesimal part of yourself resides the one and all of its power. Therefore, we can only encourage these lines of contemplation, always stating the prerequisite of meditation contemplation or prayer as a means of subjectively, objectively using or combining various understandings to enhance the seeking process. Without such a method of reversing the analytical process, one could not integrate into unity the many understandings gained in such seeking. So like many, many voices of, of this type, many voices of the confederation, many channelings. Everyone's always talking about the importance of meditation. And Ross specifically saying that as you do this work, you got to, you know, they recommend meditation, contemplation, and prayer as a way to continuing to integrate and refine your understandings of this this process and next steps to take in your, your seeking So I'm skipping over a few questions here in the uh, in session 15, which I didn't think were really necessary to go over for the podcast. They talk a little bit about the elder race, which was that group of humans that were able to be harvested. I guess it would have been 25,000 years ago. It would have been in the the uh, the second of the twenty second of the three 25,000 year cycles. So of the, the 75,000 year cycle we're in, the first, after the first 25,000 years, there was no one that was able to be harvested. And then after another 25,000 years after that, this small group of entities were able to be harvested. And instead of going onward, leaving, leaving the earth to you know another fourth density planet, they decided to stick around to help the rest of us who weren't polarized enough to be able to be harvested. And I believe that they um, incarnated again uh, to to uh, be of service. But the next thing that I have highlighted is Don's asking about the distortions of, um, uh, of intelligent uh, energy or intelligent infinity, I guess. And um, specifically, he wants to know if there's a sequence. So we, as we talked about, the first distortion of the law of one is the law of free will. And that allows the uh, infinite amount of ways for the, the creator to know itself. And then the second distortion is the law of um, the law of love, I believe. And then the, the third distortion is the law of light although I don't think they're referred to that way. Let me just read what Ross says. Um, the first distortion, free will, finds focus. This is the second distortion known to you as logos, the creative principle or love. This intelligent energy thus creates a distortion known as light. From these three distortions come many, many hierarchies of distortions, each having its own paradoxes to be synthesized synthesized no other being more important than another so from intelligent uh, infinity I guess I think it's intelligent infinity there's the law of free will and then there's love and then there's light and then from those three distortions come many others and uh Skipping over a few other questions and answers. Next thing that caught my eye was a con, uh, 
which is really at the end of the uh, the session here, actually. And it's just Don wanting to know what densities uh, Don, Carla, and Jim himself and Carla and Jim are from. Last session or two, Rock confirmed what they already knew, which was that they were wanderers. And Don was curious, well, what densities are we from? And Ra said that they're from the fifth and sixth density, although Ra wasn't going to ex- uh, explain or, or tell them which particular person was of which density. They say uh, the wonders in this working are of two densities, one the density of five, that is of light, and one the density of love, light, or unity, which would be the sixth density. That's the density that uh, Ra is from, I believe. There are six going into seventh. And that completes session 15. Session 16 took place the next day, I believe, January 31st, 1981. And Don wants to know about, Don has a really great question. So we talked about with the last session where there was this concept that the earth was under a quarantine or is under a quarantine and it's protected by guardians, which sweep the planet uh, trying to keep out anyone who shouldn't be going uh, into the planetary sphere, such as members of the Orion group. And they, these guardians, when they see somebody, they hail them and love light. And apparently because of the vibratory rate that these guardians are at, whoever gets this greeting, they have to obey. It's not a question of if they choose or not to choose to listen to the the guardian they they do listen and they're they are prevented from entering in the earth uh there are however these um random openings where groups such as members of the orion group can uh get through and don wants to know well you you're always talking about how important free will is isn't the aren't the guardians violating the Orion group's free will by keeping them out of the earth. And Ra says, I am Ra, the guardians guard the free will distortion of the mind-body-spirit complexes of the third density on this planetary sphere. The events which require activation of quarantine were interfering with the free will distortion of mind-body-spirit complexes. And Don goes on, or Ra goes on to say that that the balancing, this this consideration of, of free will is from dimension to dimension. So uh, they say the mind-body-spirit complexes of this dimension you call third form a dimension of free will which is not able to, shall we say, recognize the full distortions towards manipulation. Thus, in order to balance the dimensional variances in vibration, a quarantine was set up, this being a balancing situation whereby the free will of the Orion group is not stopped but given a challenge. Meanwhile, the third density group is not hindered from free choice. So what they're saying is that if the Guardians weren't there and the Orion group <clears throat> or other groups had free will to come and do whatever they wanted to do that because you know like for instance the orion group i believe they're um mostly fourth density at least the ones that are coming to the planet they they have a different understanding and a different perception of things a higher vibratory understanding than the third density humans and so there's a there's not an equal playing field so the guardians can create a hindrance like the quarantine for the uh, to make it more difficult for the Orion Confederate, the Orion group to get through, the Orion Crusaders to get through, and that helps to balance the ability of humans to still make a choice and not be completely overcome by some type of a group that's seeking to control and and conquer them. And as we said, the uh, the way that they this challenge that the Orion group is given is these random windows, which apparently are random on one level, but from another level they're not 
random. Um, but uh, as far as we're concerned, they're, they're random. <clears throat> and uh, skipping through a number of questions and answers, the next thing that caught my eye was a quote from Ra. Don is asking... Don says, is there a harvest of entities oriented toward service to self, like there is a harvest here of entities oriented toward service to others? I guess Don's talking about the uh, the earth specifically. And I think he, he asked this question before, but um, Ra says, I am Ra, there is one harvest. Those able to enter fourth density through vibrational complex levels may choose the manner of their further seeking of the one creator. And then Don um, says, does that mean that if people are harvested here in fourth density negative, do they go to a different planet to continue their, their journey? And, and Ra says, yes, that, you know, fourth density Negative goes to one area and fourth density positive goes to another. And I suppose that's because that uh, having a planet where everyone's fourth density negative would make it easier for you to continue your studies than being in a mixed vibratory planet, perhaps. There's probably more to it, though. Um, Don continues asking about the the Orion group and whether they have come here in the past to influence us. And indeed they have. There was a attempted contact 45,000 years ago, another one 2,600 years ago, and then since uh, 23,000 years ago, the Orion group has been working to... Uh, further their ends and interests just as the confederation has. Um, so for the last 2,300 years ago, it's been open season on the earth as far as the uh, Orion and confederation group trying to uh, do their work here as the harvest uh, approaches. There's an interesting section here about M Moses and the Ten Commandments. They don't use the name Moses, but that's uh, that's the who they're talking about, and they basically say that the ten command the ten commandments are not um, not from the confederation. That Moses was a very positive entity, and he was, uh, I believe they say he was working with the confederation, or it's implied that he was receiving some sort of information. But because the people around him wanted proof, um, the information became uh, polluted from uh, by and started containing Orion information, and that's really the how the Ten Commandments commandments came about. Because the uh, well, as Don said here, Don summarizes it by saying, "It would be unlike an entity fully aware of the knowledge of the law of one to ever say." Thou shalt not. Is that correct? And Ross says this is correct. So, um, and Ra also says at some point, um, the, the purpose of them, of Orion, uh, creating the Ten Commandments or polluting what became the Ten Command Commandments was that the purpose of the Orion group, as mentioned before, is conquest and enslavement. This is done by finding and establishing an elite and causing others to serve the elite through various devices, such as the laws you mentioned and others given by this entity. So others given by Moses, apparently. And apparently uh, Moses or Moshi, as he's de uh, described here or, or named here, um, Ross says that the information became ne negatively oriented due to his people's pressure to do specific physical things and third density planes, and that he um, basically left our vibratory sphere in a saddened state. 
Uh, Russ says, having lost what you may call the honor and faith with which he had begun the conceptualization of the law of one and the freeing of those who were, who were of his tribes. So Moshi um, started out with great intention, but it sounds like the people around him became a negative influence, which gradually polluted his message into probably something that he hadn't originally intended. Polluted his message into tools of control and enslavement. And um, Don asked about the different densities and Rod just gives a quick little overview of each density. They say the first density is the cycle of awareness. Second, the cycle of growth. Third, the cycle of self-awareness. Fourth, the cycle of love or understanding. Fifth, the cycle of light or wisdom. Sixth, the cycle of love or the cycle of light, love, love, light, or unity. Seventh, the gateway cycle. And eighth, the octave, which moves into a mystery we do not plumb. And then there's a confusing confusing part for me of session um, 16 here. So Don says, um, uh, well, let's read Don's question. He says, thank you very much. In the previous material before we communicated with you, it was stated by the Confederation that there is actually no past or future. All is present. Would this be a good analogy? And Ross says, I am rather is past, present, and future in third density. And an overview such as an entity may have removed from the space-time continuum, it may be seen that the cycle of completion, in the cycle of completion, there exists only the present. We ourselves seek to learn this understanding. At the seventh level or dimension, if we shall, if our humble efforts are sufficient, become one with all, thus having no memory, no identity, no past or future, but existing in the all. And the reason I find this confusing is a little bit earlier, Ross, and I didn't read this, but Don had asked, um, he wants Ra to give history of their social memory complex and how they became aware of the law of one. And the first thing Ra says is, I am Ra, the path of our learning is graven at the present moment, meaning I take that as meaning that it's been, it's recorded and kind of the, well, actually, maybe that's not what they mean. I'll just read what it says. It says, the path of our learning is graven in the present moment. There is no history as we understand your concept. Picture, if you will, a circle of being. We know the Alpha and Omega as infinite intelligence. The circle never ceases. It is present. So right there, it sounds like Ra is outside of, of past and future as we know it. They're understanding that the circle never ceases, it is present, and there is no history as we understand the concept. But then, a couple of paragraphs later, Ross says um, that they say again, in an overview such as an entity may have removed from the space-time continuum, it may be seen that the cycle of completion In the cycle of completion, there exists only the present. We ourselves seek to learn this understanding. So my confusion is it sounds like a couple of paragraphs ago that they said they do understand that there is only the present ultimately, but, but then they're seeking to still learn that understanding. So I'm wondering if what they mean is that they have some understanding of it, but there is even more of an understanding which in its furthest extreme would be that they ultimately wouldn't have any identity or memory at all because they'd be so absorbed into the, into the, uh, the creator. So don't know, but I found it a little confusing or, uh, uh, unclear. Moving forward, Don's asking questions about 
the planets and our galaxy and how many actually have uh, awareness or life or, or basically how many are inhabited. And Ross says that approximately one-fifth of all planetary entities contain awareness of one or more densities. Some planetary spheres are only good for certain densities. Some are hospitable to multiple densities. And in our galaxy, there are approximately 67 million uh, planets that have some type of a life regardless of density. And then there's another <clears throat> odd thing that uh, Ross says. They give percentages of, of those 67 million planets, you know, how many are in first, how many in second, etc. And Ross says um, that there's 20 or 17 and for... 17 of that 67 million that are hospitable for first density, um, 20% for second density, 27 for third, 16 for fourth density, and a percentage of 6% for fifth density. And then Ross says the other information must be withheld. The free will of your future is not making this available. And then they get even more um, mysterious. They say, we shall speak on one item. There is a fairly large percentage, approximately 35% of the intelligent planets, which do not fit into the percentiles. These mysteries are of sixth and seventh density and are not available for speaking. So it's a very pregnant lack of, uh, piece of information the lack of information but within that uh within that statement is um there's definitely something there when i combine the percentages that they gave for uh first through fifth i came out to 85 percent and then when and then ross says that there's 35 percent of the planets which don't fit into the percentiles i'm not quite sure how to um Reconcile those two numbers. But um, I guess one thing I'm walking away with is that uh, 67 million, approximately 67 million planets out there that have some level of life on them in our galaxy. Pretty incredible. And just uh, third density, if you look at third and fourth density, 27% for third, 16% for fourth, and and then six for fifth. I mean, we are definitely not alone if this information is correct. And Don makes a statement here. Uh, then the only way for a planet to get out of the situation that we are in, or the only way for the population is to become aware of and start practicing the law of one. Is this correct? Ross says this is correct. And apparently that's um, that's the law of one is, is how planets all over the galaxy, they all follow the same basic uh, tenets of spiritual progression. progression and... Uh, As a part of Don's questioning, Ra does say that there are a considerably fewer number of planets that are of negative orientation. And Don correctly surmises that the reason is, is because with a service-to-self orientation, you know, a service-to-self planet in fourth and fifth and higher, I would suppose, um, that because everyone's working together there's a cooperative uh energy there's much more likely to be a progression than if uh, in the negative planet where everyone's sort of constantly trying to get on top and and outdo another person through you know a bid for power and control it's much less likely to be a um you know all for one and one for all type of uh 
uh, spirit, which would propel a further further in of a, a civilization. And Don asked about the Confederation of Planets and how they were formed. Um, apparently, there's 500 planetary civilizations that, that make up the Confederation of Planets. I probably mentioned that before. Don mentions it in this session. And Ra, Don wants to know how, why it was formed, how it was formed and why. Ra says, I am Ra. The desire to serve begins in the dimension of love or understanding to be an overwhelming goal of the social memory complex. And then skipping ahead, Ra says, thus each voluntarily placed, and he's talking about the different planetary civilizations that make up the confederation, thus each voluntary placed, voluntarily placed social memory complex data in what you may consider a central thought complex available to all. And skipping ahead, this is the cause of the formation and the manner of working in the confederation. So this central thought complex means that uh, you know once planetary civilization puts their their thoughts or their information in this this uh, memory complex data bank, and other civilizations can have access to it. So there's a cooperative giving and sharing of information and, and experiences, which you know helps. It's a per- perfect uh, example of that one for all, all for one, one for all sort of mentality of the, of a service to other type of group. And Don says, um, he makes a really good point. Don says, with such a large number of planets in this galaxy, I was wondering if you say there are approximately 500 confederation planets, that seems to me to be a relatively small percentage of the total number of fourth and fifth density planets around. Is there any reason for this relatively small percentage in this confederation? And Ross says that basically there are many confederations and the, the confederation of planets in service of the infinite creator that, that Ra is a member of specifically works with our solar system and six others. So there's confederations for other solar systems out there, but uh, our, this confederation works with uh, seven solar systems and I would presume that would be possibly geographically dictated, like maybe seven solar systems that are fairly co- close to one another, but maybe not. And getting close to the end of session 16, there's a quote here from Ra. Don says, um, I am assuming it is not necessary for an individual to understand the law of one to go from third to fourth. Is this correct? Ra says, I am Ra. It is absolutely necessary that an entity consciously realize it does not understand in order for it to be harvestable. 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 Understanding is not of this density. Um, that's a really, sounds like a really profound statement there. How, what I take that to mean is that I think there comes a point in your spiritual journey, when you say to yourself, you know what, I am not, there's no way I'm possibly going to be able to understand every aspect of the the mysteries of the universe. And the most important thing I can do is open myself to, and give myself to the creator by opening myself up to love and up to the transformative power that that the creator's love and light has on a on a person and that this this opening up sort of letting go of the the need to analytically understand and opening up to this love transforms us and gives us experiences which are beyond analytical understanding and that this sort of it becomes sort of a, a springboard, which actually is, I guess, what Ross said earlier, that the heart is a springboard. So I view that as a, a statement of the importance of opening the heart to love and not worrying about trying to, 
intellectually get it. At some point, we don't we don't need to understand. We can simply let go into the one and start stepping into that divine stream and allow it to carry us, rather than for us to try to um, dictate the way or or figure out the way. We are held, and when we can let go into the arms of the divine, uh, I believe those arms will catch us and guide us along the way in some form or fashion. There's quite a few more things that I had highlighted for session 16. I'm going to skip a few of those and go to a discussion of fourth density. Um, Don wants to know, wants Ra to describe uh, what fourth density is like. And Ra describes fourth density by what it is not and what it is. And uh, there's an interesting paragraph there. And one of the, th- I have a note here. Um, well, Ra says that, that which fourth density is not, it is not of words unless chosen. It is not of heavy chemical bo- vehicles for body complex activities. It is not of disharmony within the self. It is not of disharmony within peoples. It is not within limits of possibility to cause disharmony in any way. And I have a note. I was wondering why why is it not within limits of possibility to cause disharmony in any way? And I was wondering if it's because in fourth density there isn't any veiling so that we don't feel as separate from the creator and therefore um, it would be impossible to create disharmony because we're all essentially feeling basking in, in the love of the creator and having that bathe us, we it'd be like uh, almost impossible to want to create disharmony from that place. Um, and then Ra goes on to say, approximations of positive statements. It is a plane of a type of bipedal vehicle, which is much denser and more full of life. So apparently... We saw some type of a bipedal vehicle. It is a plane wherein one is aware of the thoughts of other selves. It is a plane where one is aware of the vibrations of other selves. It is a plane of compassion and understanding of the sorrows of third density. It is a plane striving towards wisdom or light. It is a plane wherein the individual differences are pronounced, although automatically harmonized by group consensus. And Don and Ra discuss the uh, densities in terms of that there are seven octaves or densities like we talked about. Densities one through eight, and the eighth one really begins the, the next octave. And Don says within, or Ra says within each density, there are also seven subdensities, and within each subdensity, seven sub-subdensities, and so on infinitely. And one of the, th- the things that that comes from that, I believe, is Ra says, um, you may consider any possibility-probability complex as having an existence. And this gets into discussion of if we are daydreaming, does that actually create something in, in reality? Um, and Ross says, um, Don basically says that if we daydream, do these become real? And these densities, these densities and subdensities and so on. Ross says, I am raw. This depends upon the nature of the daydream. This is a large subject. Perhaps the simplest thing we can say is if the daydream, as you call it, is the one which attracts the self, then this becomes reality to self. If it is a contemplative general daydream, this may enter the infinity of possibility, probably probability complexes and occur elsewhere. So if your daydream in, involves you doing something, something that you have some type of an emotional attraction to, either positively or negatively, 
uh, it's going to be something that you attract yourself. If it's something that doesn't specifically involve you, then it might manifest somewhere else. And Don says, to make this a little more clear, if I were to daydream strongly about building a ship, would this occur in one of these other densities? So these different densities or sub-densities. Ross says, I am raw. This would, would have, or shall occur. So pretty incredible, the power of our thought, even in daydreams to create. And with these densities all having seven sub-densities and them having seven sub-densities infinity, uh, to infinity, um, it seems like there's plenty of real estate in which these, uh, these daydreams can manifest, right? So we, I don't think we really quite understand the nature of our thoughts and our consciousness and its ability to, to create. Um, I know I don't. Don asked a little bit later if the Orion group uses this, this, these powers of daydream to create, to create conditions which uh, further their purpose. And Ra says, I am Ra. We will answer more specifically than the question, which is really unusual for Ra to. Ra is usually like a computer, you know, like a robot, like, Hey, Ra, can you tell me about uh, the people that lived on Mars? I am Ra. We can. And so you got to, you know, you got to ask more specifically. It's really unusual for them to, to specifically give more information or, or specifically call out that they're giving more information. Ra says, the Orion group uses daydreams of hostile or other negative vibratory natures to feedback or strengthen these thought forms. So... There's thought forms out there, right? Like let's see, talk about the thought form of warfare. Ra's saying that Orion will use people's daydreams to further further uh, feed the, the thought form of warfare or whatever the thought form is. So they they specifically manipulate people or or somehow instigate people to engage in daydreams which further create negative service to self conditions on the planet so be aware of your what you're what you're daydreaming and if you find yourself in a negative feedback loop with your daydreaming use some type of a practice to to short circuit that and get out of the the negative uh that negative creation cycle and one one process you can use is a process I use called the uh, the Ascension Attitudes. And uh, if you want more information on that, drop me uh, drop me an email, and I can point you in the right direction. Um, and I think that about wraps it up. There's a few other things I've highlighted, but it's it's been a long podcast. Um. We'll wrap up by saying that it is possible for a wanderer to become caught in this negative feedback loop, to be caught in negative thought patterns, and to uh, ultimately be caught in third density and have to repeat a third density cycle. Rod makes it really clear that that is a thing. So you don't want to be, you don't, you want to watch yourself and catch yourself if you're behaving consciously unloving and, and look at that. And apparently wanderers are a naive bunch. Um, they're less likely to recognize uh, negative third density manipulations from where they come from. They're just not, uh, I guess they're not used to it. It's, it's not a thing in a, you know, the fifth or sixth density, positive fifth and sixth density, which they're, they're used to, um, vibing in so uh it it might possibly be fairly easy for a wanderer to get caught in that so uh, be aware of that and make sure you have a spiritual practice that can support you in aligning with um love and, and positive energies to help uh help strengthen your perceptual abilities and your uh, your affinity towards posit the positive uh, 
positive track in life. And apparently wanderers are very, what would be considered high priority targets for the Orion group. So that is session 16. Lots of great information in session 15 and 16. I skip over, skip, skipped over quite a bit, so uh, do dive into the uh, that material if you have the work and you want to get uh, get all of the tasty tidbits that were in those sessions. All right, thanks for listening to our podcast today. Again, uh, Global Meditations, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Every day, if you can't make 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, just tune in uh, whenever you're able to. If you'd like to join us in this 10 to 15-minute daily spiritual practice, opening ourselves up to be vessels and channels for the love and light of the divine and service to the planet at this time. That's all for now. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon.